The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright, happy President's Day, everybody. It seems like a day that a lot of the country is not too happy to celebrate, but I'm sure a lot of people are happy to have it off from work. And we are fresh off of UFC Fight Night 105 from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. We just finished watching the main event, and Jeff the Animal Wilson and I decided to just jump on and record episode 36 mma on the rocks so thanks for tuning in jeff thanks for calling in at this late hour i know you got the day off tomorrow so uh let me get your thoughts on having the day off for president's day and your immediate reaction to the main event of ufc fight night 105 yeah bill dude i love three-day weekends it's like today is sunday but i'm getting a second chance at saturday what more could a man want in life? Not much. And I know a lot of people, you know, are expressing that they're not happy with our current president. But, uh, you know, protesting and everything like that is all part of the democratic process and checks and balances. So it's good to see people getting involved in politics. But we don't give a shit about that on this podcast. What we give a shit about is brutal violence. And we got a lot of that this weekend because we had a Bellator card and we had the UFC card that just wrapped up. In fact, the the post show is still going right now. I think you have it on in the background. But what's your reaction to this main event, which was Travis Brown and Derek Lewis, both top ten heavyweights? Not a lot of buildup going up in, into this fight. Uh, but let me get your reaction because we just finished watching it, Jeff. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Yeah, I thought it was a good fight. Uh, Derek Lewis showed a couple of holes in his game, but. His heart is just tremendous. The way he came out in that second round was absolutely stunning. And, uh, you know, Travis Brown, his attack got a little stale after a while just because he did a good job of using his teep, his front kick, to uh, really attack Derek Lewis's midsection. But after a while, he just wasn't setting it up with anything. He was just going for it. Derek Lewis saw right through it in the second round and just started throwing haymakers at him. Yeah, I'm glad you said that Derek Lewis showed some holes in his game because I feel like that's what he does every time he gets in that cage is he shows how many holes he has in his game and every time it doesn't seem to matter because he draws guys in to that brawling style of his and he does everything wrong but somehow comes out with victories. So I guess in his own weird way, he's doing it right. And he was badly hurt in that first round. So Travis Brown, I thought, looked really good in that first round. His footwork was on point. He was picking his shots. He landed some really hard shots to the body on Derek Lewis. It looked like he almost finished them. And at one point, Derek Lewis turned his back and started running towards the cage. And I've said this multiple times on this show that that's a sign of a fighter being done. As soon as the fighter turns his back to yep. his opponent, the referee should be thinking about stepping in and stopping it there. I, I'm kind of glad he didn't in this case. 
you know, Mario Yamasaki, a uh, very experienced referee. I think he let it go on a little too long and let Travis Brown take too many blows at the end there. Um, but yeah, Travis Brown looked, looked great in this first round. It, it looked like he had found his rhythm. Uh, he's not with coach Edmund anymore. Uh, so, you know, maybe that transition threw him off a little bit. You, you didn't know what Travis Brown you were going to get here, but, uh, in in hindsight, Travis Brown has really only lost to former champions. If you don't count uh, uh, Bigfoot Silva, he's really only lost to former UFC champions. I mean, Fabricio Verdum, Cain Velasquez, and uh, Andre Arlovsky were his most recent losses. So uh, a win over Derek Lewis would have put him right back in the mix. But yeah, he looked great in that in that first round, and then in that second round, he just got sucked into Derek Lewis's brawling style. And that was a mistake because if he kept his distance and kept picking him apart, he had him hurt. And um, Derek Lewis is just one of those guys who's just so resilient, and he seems like he can't be he can't be finished easily. And he's just got so much heart. Uh, any other thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Uh, not really. I agree with you that Travis Brown he in that first round. His footwork was good. He was using those long legs of his. Uh, he and just physically, he looked really good. He did not look like a heavyweight tonight. He looked like he could easily make it to light heavyweight. Yeah, he was looking but, trim. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, credit to Derek Lewis. He has got a huge heart. But I feel like um, Travis Brown's attack just became a little too predictable in the second round. And uh, credit to Derek Lewis's corner because his corner gave him the right advice and helped him figure out how to counteract that strategy after a really tough first round. Another thing I want to talk about real quick was, I don't know if you were able to listen to the post-fight interview, but it was just really, really uncomfortably awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess you're you're referring to Derek Lewis making a couple of comments about Travis Brown putting his hands on women. And he has a, a very dry sarcasm. And I don't know if it was just the Canadian crowd not picking up on it, but I feel like he was trying to make some jokes out of the situation, and they just bombed, and he was just sitting dead in the water there, and it, it the whole crowd went silent. And I don't know if it was everybody left at the end of the fight or, or whatever the case was, but he made some comments about Travis Brown that uh, were not received well, by the crowd or were not received at all. It was hard to tell if there was still a crowd present anymore. But uh, is that what you were referring to, Jeff? Yeah. Um, you know, him making comments about uh, Travis Brown putting his hands on women. And then at one point he said, uh, Derek Lewis said, where's Ronda Rousey's fine ass at? Yeah. I was like, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it's just the fact that the crowd is, you know, Canadian and maybe their humor is a little different. I think that uh, I think that would have been awkward in any country. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely awkward. But an another thing he said when Brian Stan asked him how bad he was hurt to the body in the first round, he basically said that he just had to take a shit, and the cook the kick didn't hurt him that much. And any other time that wouldn't be very important. But the athletic commissions just passed a new rule that if you shit yourself during a fight you lose via TKO. So if it were true that he was actually trying to hold in a shit and he was not able to do so, 
he would have lost this fight. And it would have been the first loss in recorded history via shitting yourself. Any reaction there, Jim? Yeah, now, Bill, I just want to... I, I just want to make a point that it would be the first recorded reaction. We There may, in fact, be some fights that have been stopped because of a fighter losing control of their faculties. Yeah, but it, it would be the first one under the new rule set. And I, I just, I have to wonder what happened that caused them to enact this new rule. I mean, did, did some, I hadn't heard of anything happening in a fight where where a fighter actually defecated on himself um but yeah i i guess it makes sense like you sh- you should lose if you if you shit yourself um but a- anyway it was a it was a wild fight and it it really kind of revived a card that started out awesome and then was slowly tapering off and i, I know you didn't get to catch the whole card but Let's uh let's jump into the co-main event, which was uh, Johnny Hendricks and Hector Lombard, and this fight uh, between two guys who both used to fight at welterweight, and both had trouble making weight because they're so large and muscular, uh, and, and especially since the IV ban um, for weight cutting, so you're no longer allowed to use an IV to rehydrate after you cut weight which uh, affected both of these guys. So they were fighting at middleweight and Johnny Hendricks came away with the decision and it, it was kind of a, it was kind of a lackluster fight. I mean, they were kind of shoving each other around. It seemed like they were both respecting each other's power a little bit too much. There were a bunch of takedown attempts from Hector Lombard. And when he did get Hendricks down, uh, the groundwork was very sloppy. Uh, it, It was just, uh, and not a very thrilling fight. Uh, and I think you had predicted that, that Lombard was going to be able to blast Hendricks out of there, which probably would have been the end of his career, but it looks like, um, it looks like he's got another one of his nine lives tonight. So let me get your reaction to the fight. And do you think Johnny Hendricks has a future in the middleweight division here? To a future in the middleweight division, I think that remains to be seen. I think it's too soon to tell. Um, he just made weight for this one, and it's a 15-pound jump. So, you know, I I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, I feel like Hendricks has to really take weight cutting seriously. He has to make some lifestyle changes, and I, I feel like it's just not sinking in, you know. But um, so that aside, uh, looking at the fight, I didn't get to see this fight, but I am watching some of the highlights now on the post-fight show, and it looks like Hendricks did a good job of using his knees, really doing a good job of fighting close range with Lombard. And Lombard's a tough customer, man. Uh, If you saw what he did to Jake Shields, uh, I would have put my money on Lombard winning the... uh, winning that fight because he's a dangerous guy. His judo's really slick. Um, it transitions well into MMA, and I would have thought that he'd walk away with the win. But Hendricks, he looked good. Um, as much as we've discussed his issues with making weight, he looked good. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say he looked good. I mean, he's definitely looked a lot better in the past. I mean, when he was in his prime in the welterweight division and he was uh, the champion in the division, 
it's he didn't have as much trouble making weight for those championship fights and he was actually a lot more cut and i don't know if that was just due to relying on the iv to rehydrate or whatever the case but um you know he did look a little soft and he he barely made 185 I mean, he came in at 185 and a half so it, it seems like he was still struggling to cut and for a guy who is such a high level wrestler you know weight cutting should not be anywhere near the top of his list of issues that he's having uh as a professional athlete and um i, I actually could have seen this fight going either way uh so hedricks did get the decision and he seemed confident he was gonna get it but uh i didn't see a clear winner in this fight and yeah he looked good throwing the knees but most of the time when he threw the knees lombard was catching him and, and throwing him up against the fence uh but you know lombard was uh kind of struggling to get the takedowns a lot and he wasn't getting them so that probably countered against him but again i could have seen this fight uh going either way hendrix has been involved in a lot of bad decisions and most of them have been his own decisions to eat a lot of ribs during his fight camp it seems like because uh the guys had so much trouble making weight and that's why he's had to go up to 185 so Something else that I had trouble with was watching some of the fights on this card. So Gavin Tucker, who is a local boy from Halifax, uh, fought Sam Cecilia. And this was a one-sided fight. And Gavin Tucker was not really trying to finish Sam, but he outpointed him. And it was it was not exciting at all. And he even said at the end of the fight that he had to play it safe. Um, which you got to hate hearing from guys. And he's... He's undefeated and he's a young kid and he's fighting in his hometown. So I understand he needs to get the win, but it, you know, don't come out and say that you're playing it safe because that that doesn't make you seem like a, a fighter. That just makes you seem like a, a point fighter that's just trying to you know keep his record intact in his hometown. So uh, I don't know how much his stock raised in this one, but uh, Sam Cecilia definitely looked like. Maybe he just had an off night. Maybe he was just flat, but he looked like he didn't even belong in the cage with Gavin Tucker. So uh, any reaction to that one, Jeff? Nope. I got nothing for you, Bill. Unfortunately, I didn't watch the fight, and it's disappointing to hear a fighter say something like that, mm-hmm. um, that you're just going to take your points and run. I really don't like that. Yeah, I don't either. I didn't care for it, and... He, he tried getting a little flashy in the third round, and he was kind of dancing around like Cody Garbrandt did against Dominic Cruz. But, um, you know, that was a fight that, that Cody was actually trying to finish. So, And he, he never said he was trying to outpoint Dominic Cruz at the end of it. So I don't agree with that uh, comparison a lot of people were making. Another very uneventful fight was uh, Elias Theodoru and Cesar Ferreira, both, both uh, Ultimate Fighter alumni or possibly winners i know elias theodoro won the uh ultimate fighter nations and i think uh cesar ferreira won one of the ultimate fighters in brazil in any case uh there was a little bit of bad blood it seemed because at the weigh-ins elias theodoro brought a birthday cake for ferreira and that seemed to piss ferreira off for some reason Uh, i guess he really doesn't like cake or or he was offended that that somebody was putting cake in his face after he was cutting weight. Um, this was a, a very uneventful fight, and Elias Theodoro got the decision, I think mostly because he was able to escape submission attempts effectively, 
and he was throwing a lot of volume. He was throwing a lot of kicks from the outside. He wasn't landing a lot, but um, uh, Ferreira wasn't really throwing anything at all. So by comparison, Theodoro looked like he was doing a lot more in the fight, but in reality, neither of them were really doing much of anything. It was very uneventful. Uh, and then before that, uh, Sarah McMahon, who has been a top bantamweight for a long time, and her only losses have come from uh, former champions, Ronda Rousey, uh, which was a, a controversial stoppage. A lot of people think it was an early stoppage when Ronda TKO'd Sarah McMahon. And then her other losses were to current champion Amanda Nunez and former champion Misha Tate. So Sarah McMahon has been up there, but not really in the conversation uh, of top contenders for a long time. And she was fighting uh, a late replacement in Gina Mazzani, who took the fight on two weeks notice, came in four and a half pounds overweight, and just got totally outclassed. Sarah McMahon just threw her to the ground. She's a, a very high-level wrestler for the women's bantamweight division. Uh, you know, not a lot of the female fighters have wrestling backgrounds, and, and Sarah McMahon's a very accomplished wrestler. She just threw her to the ground and got her in a mounted uh, arm triangle. And, it, you know, it it looked like... It really looked like a black belt going against somebody who was taking their first free trial jujitsu class to me. Um, so a any reaction to any of that? So the Theodoro fight or the Sarah McMahon domination of Gina Mazzani? Uh, well, Sarah McMahon, like you said, a high-level wrestler. She's been to the Olympics for wrestling. So, you know, that's, that's really hard to deal with for anybody. And... You know, like you said, Sarah McMahon, a top um, bantamweight in the women's division. I believe she won her last fight in a in similar fashion with the arm triangle off a takedown. Mm -hmm. So not too shocking there. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any thoughts on the other fight. Um, but I did see one prelim fight before I left the house this evening, and that was Marshman, I believe, versus Santos. And I don't know if you saw that, Bill, but the finish was Santos won in the second round with a spinning heel kick to the head, mm -hmm. and he knocked Marshman out clean. It was it was lightning quick. I couldn't believe how fast he landed that kick, and it was just really nice. I, I'm pretty sure he broke Marshman's skull. Yeah, I mean, he hit him. He hit him with his heel right behind the ear. And cut him pretty wide open and then jumped on top of him with a couple of strikes. It looked like Marshman was kind of still defending himself. I, I thought at first he looked like he was still defending himself. Then I saw the replay and his eyes were kind of rolled back a little bit. So it was definitely uh, a good stoppage by the referee, Jardine. And um, yeah, that's that's something that's going to be on Tiago Santos's highlight reel and uh highlight reel for the ufc in general for a long time to come it was really spectacular knockout and it, it was really back and forth fight in the first round too i mean these guys were landed big shots on each other the entire time and i thought it was a really exciting fight um another exciting fight paul felder got a first round knockout against uh alessandro ricci so he the ricci is a, a muay thai fighter and he spent a lot of his fight camp in thailand and Paul Felder basically was just straight boxing him, landing punches right down the pipe, and uh, finished him with an elbow that basically smashed his nose 
And, uh, you know, it was a really impressive fight for Felder. It was good to see him uh, come back strong. The last time I remember seeing him fight was when he had that huge gash on his forehead. Uh, so it was good to see him recover from that. That was against uh, Francisco Trinaldo back in September. So he, he's uh, been out for a while, and he came back with a vengeance. He's training with Duke Rufus now, so I would expect to see uh, big things for Paul Felder in the future. And then another pretty exciting fight was uh, a, another boxing versus Muay Thai matchup, which was uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio and uh, Nordin Taleb. So Taleb was the Muay Thai fighter, and Ponzinibbio was just picking him apart with his jab, broke his nose, and I guess you got to speak to the toughness of Taleb because he had a broken nose in the second round and kept enduring the jabs from Ponzinibbio for the rest of the fight, uh, the blood running down his face, and even cut Ponzinibbio in the third round. Uh, so that was a very back-and-forth, very exciting fight. Very, If you like bloody fights, that was you know awesome. And uh, the fight right before that, was a women's strawweight fight. It was the return of Carla Esparza, who was the first ever women's strawweight champion, who lost the title to the current champion, Ioana Janjacek, and uh, hasn't been too active since. Uh, she fought in April against Juliana Lima, but uh, she hadn't been active for a long time and even went to social media and said that, you know, she hasn't been fighting, she hasn't been making money, so she has to sell her Harley Davidson that she won in the Ultimate Fighter show. Um, if you guys remember, if you were fans of, of Ultimate Fighter or if you watch every season, you remember Carla Esparza was the first uh, first person to win a championship by winning the Ultimate Fighter. So she was declared the women's strawweight champion uh, after winning that show, but said she had to sell her Harley Davidson. In any case, she lost a split decision to Ronda Marcos in a fight that really could have gone either way and also a fight that I really couldn't have cared less which way it went uh, because it, it wasn't very eventful. But Carlos Barza looked like she didn't want to be in there at all. Uh, so any reactions, Jeff, to Paul Felder, uh, Alessandro Ricci, um, Santiago Ponzinibbio, Nordine Taleb, or Ronda Marcos, Carlos Barza? I know I'm throwing a lot at you. Three, three at once. Let, let's see what you got. How, how well can you uh, react to this one, Jeff? <laughs> um Good for Paul Felder that he won. Uh, he was training out here in Philly for a little bit. Uh, I know he's uh, a Henzo Gracie guy, so it's fun to watch him fight. Uh, I think I believe he's friends with, um, what's his name, Frankie Edgar. I, th I believe they've yeah. trained together a little bit. So mm -hmm. good for Paul Felder. Got his name back in the W column. I know he had racked up a couple of losses uh, against you know top-notch contenders. Um, the Ricci fight was uh i didn't get to see it but credit to him for for showing heart and being able to take shots despite having you know a bloody nose and possibly a broken nose because we've seen fighters buckle under that type of pressure yeah that um, was that was uh nordine taleb ricci was the guy who fought paul felter oh my mistake um so credit to taleb um <laughs> because we've seen uh guys like as good as roy mcdonald you know, once your nose is broken in a fight, you know, you, you're you going to go down at some point. Mm -hmm. And as for the Carla Esparza fight, Ronda Marcos is a tough chick. Um, you know, she's a pretty solid fighter. I remember watching her fight on The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, so 
I don't know what you do if you're Carlos Barza at this point. Like you, like you said, if she looks disenchanted uh, with fighting in general, you know, yeah. what do you do? Yeah, I'm, I mean, she really looked like she didn't want to be there. Uh, but somebody who did look like they want to be there, this was the Fight Pass prelim match, and I happened to just turn it on as this fight was starting, and it was Gerald Mearshart against Ryan James. So Mearshart, another Duke Rufus uh, fighter, middleweight, and he was going against the hometown boy, Ryan James, who's Canadian, and also a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So James threw Mearshart up against the cage in the first round and took him down, and Mearshart just kept going for submission after submission off his back and wound up catching Ryan James in a really nice arm bar. He just threw his legs up and bit down on it, and Ryan James had to verbally tap. Uh, so this is the second submission in a row for Gerald Mearshart, and it's only his second fight in the UFC. So this is a guy who is 29 years old, and I would say um, you should definitely keep an eye on him. He's on a seven-fight win streak. His last loss was outside of the UFC, and it was a decision to Sam Alvey. And before that, he had four wins in a row. And uh, he's training at one of the best camps. So... I would say definitely a guy to keep your eye on. And, uh, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but every time I kind of say that on this show, you know, these guys end up getting bumped up to main cards. So I, I don't know if we're if we're making careers happen or not here, Jeff. It could be a coincidence or, you know, maybe I got the, uh, I got the magic touch here. But uh, big night for Gerald Mearshart. I don't know if he got a bonus or not the last time he got a submission of the night bonus, but uh, there were some some other awesome fights on this card uh, after. Uh, a fight that didn't happen this weekend, and it wasn't announced until the very last minute, which I, I don't know how it affected the ratings or not of Bellator 172. So the main event was supposed to be the return of Fedor Emelianenko and his debut in Bellator against former UFC fighter Matt Mitrione. And it was scrapped, uh, I think, a few hours before the card started. Apparently, Matt Mitrione had some kind of illness and he wasn't able to fight. And, you know, if you're Bellator, this has to take a lot of wind out of your sails because you're coming off of card that had, you know, pretty poor production. We talked about this uh, on the show last time. They just had so many fights on the card and... And the, the production just got a little bit sloppy. And I think I think that happened on the card last night as well. They had 16 fights scheduled. Only 15 of them happened. But, you know, you get to the point where you have to have guys who are supposed to be on the undercard fighting after the main event. And then, you know, your main event gets canceled. So uh, did you hear about this, Jeff? Did you, did you watch the Bellator card? And if not, would you have watched if the Fedor car, if the Fedor uh, fight was still going to take place? I did end up watching it. I only watched the um, main and co-main events, though. Uh, I saw Chet Congo win by a knockout, which was pretty easy for him. And then uh, the main event, while it wasn't Fedor versus Matmetrion, which I was. Really disappointed it didn't happen, as I'm sure the entire universe is. Um, we, uh, I enjoy the main event. It was Josh Thompson versus Patricky Pitbull, 
And in the second round, Josh Thompson got dropped like a bad habit. Mm-hmm. You know, how often do you see that happen? So, you know, that I felt like it it kind of saved the card, but it was no Fedor Emelianenko fight. Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily for Bellator, it was an exciting fight, and it, it was a really interesting matchup. And I had said, I had said on Friday that this was the fight I was looking forward to most out of the entire weekend, UFC included. Uh, just because Josh Thompson, a lot of new fans of the sport don't really know who he is, but this is uh, what I would call legendary lightweight fighter. I mean, he's been in there with the best of the best. He's the only guy to ever knock out Nate Diaz. So he, he's been in some wars over the years, and Patricky Pipple is always an exciting fighter. His major criticism has been that he rushes in a little bit too much, uh, and that's caused him to get knocked out he's one of those guys that's trying to knock you out or he's going to get knocked out and he showed a lot of patience in his fight against josh thompson and that's what he needed to do to beat a veteran like josh thompson who's been in there with the best of the best and he just waited and picked his shots and didn't rush in when he had him hurt in the first round and then in the second round was able to put him away because of uh you know sticking to his game plan so definitely a huge win for uh patricky pitbull uh, a rough night for Josh Thompson, who has been in the sport forever, uh, 38 years old. I would imagine he's going to continue fighting, just because he hasn't uh, he hasn't taken a ton of damage. I mean, he's only been knocked out twice in his career, so this is only the second time. I think he's still a top competitor. I would imagine that Patricky Pitbull is going to get a shot at at uh, Michael Chandler now, who's the the champion of the division. So. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, like you said, Czech Congo was on the card. I, I didn't see the fight. I have the result that Congo won by a decision, but maybe it was a really dominant decision. And then um, the only other fight I would want to talk about because there's just too many there's just too many fights on this card, and, and I don't know why they keep doing this. Uh, I think the last card had 18 fights on it, which is just it's just too much. You know, 10, 11 is a good number. I, I mean, you're not even gonna have anybody in attendance. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're just trying to to build guys' uh, records up in Bellator or or what the strategy is there. But way too many fights. But one I do want to touch on was uh, the return of Josh Koscheck and I believe his Bellator debut. Uh, he got knocked out in the first round against uh, some dude, <laughs> Mauricio Alonso, uh, who is you know. He's up there in years too. He's 36. I think Koscheck is 39. But uh, Koscheck moving up to 185, I guess because of his age, uh, he hasn't he hasn't been in there in a while. But I I posted a, a picture on Twitter this morning, which got a lot more conversation going than I anticipated. So I posted still images of of Koscheck's last five fights and. I'll just go over them real quick. And and Koscheck is is another guy who's been around forever. He's season one of The Ultimate Fighter. He's one of the only guys from that season who's still actively fighting. I think him and Diego Sanchez are the only ones who are still active fighters. So his last five fights, he's lost his last six, but his last five fights, I posted still images of of how they ended. And it was the knockout from Mauricio Alonso. It was a submission from Eric Silva in the first round it was a submission from jake ellenberger and that was the one where he was like 
foaming at the mouth because he from that north south mm-hmm. choke that uh, Ellenberger put him in, and then he got knocked out by Tyron Woodley in the first round, and then he got knocked out by Robbie Lawler in the first round. So, uh, I mean, he, on the one hand, you got to respect that he's still getting in there at 39 years old. Uh, on the other hand, this is a guy who never really evolved. He was a great wrestler uh, back in the day when when good wrestling allowed you to just kind of lay on top of people and then he developed some knockout power and he had some impressive knockouts but other than that I mean the game kind of passed him by you know you hate to see this happening to guys you don't know if if they feel like they need to keep competing I mean Koscheck's a guy he was a high level collegiate wrestler so maybe he just needs to compete or maybe he needs money or or whatever the case is but uh it's kind of sad to see to see this happen to guys who who were part of the the foundation and the building of the popularity of the sport. I mean, I credit the first season of Ultimate Fighter for for gaining so many fans. I I see it as one of the biggest milestones in the sports history. Uh, so uh, I don't want to see him get back in there again. What I was kind of hoping was that he would win this fight and then have a rematch with Paul Daly, who we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Jeff, where. Koscik fought Paul Daly in the UFC, and uh, Daly got up after the bell and went across the cage and punched Koscik in the face, and Dana White banned him from the UFC forever. So uh, I, I know I was very long-winded with that, Jeff, but any reaction to uh, the whole uh, Koscik situation here? Oh, fuck Josh Koscik. That's All what right. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I was never a fan of his, and like you said, I think you put it exactly right they you know the sport passed him by mm-hmm. uh you, you now have these mma fighters who who don't just train striking anymore they train everything together they train they don't even train one aspect of the game and then uh add another aspect to it they just train everything at the same time yeah so you know uh i guess like you said he never really evolved He's like that kid from high school that was, you know, the the class clown, and then he grew up and he stayed the class clown. Yeah. So now he's working for an insurance company, making <laughs> about thirty grand a year, and just you know miserable all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, instead of an insurance company, it's it's Bellator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really all I have to say about that. All right. Well. Yeah, I liked your first reaction. Fuck Josh Koscheck. And uh, speaking of which, this podcast is brought to you by Budweiser, and not because they're a sponsor of the show, but uh, because that's what I was drinking while I was watching the UFC card tonight. So sometimes you just gotta go with a classic. I mean, uh, I know last week we were talking about Yingling, which is a go-to, but uh, there's just something about Budweiser that's kind of nostalgic and refreshing and. That's what I was enjoying tonight. So I don't know how coherent this podcast is going to turn out. I'm going to have to listen to it in the morning before we post it. But uh, the next event we have coming up, next big event, uh, I'm actually really excited for. It's UFC 209, and that's March 4th. And I guess we could wait until next week to really break it down. But uh, let me just give you a little taste of it, and you could give me uh, kind of a short reaction to 
you know what this card is going to be the main event is going to be a rematch between tyron woodley and stephen thompson who fought to a draw at ufc 205 and then the co-main event which i'm most excited for khabib Nurmagomedov against tony ferguson for the interim lightweight championship for some reason and then alistair overeem mark hunt rashad evans daniel kelly lando venata is returning again against some guy and todd duffy is coming back again and then uh down at the bottom of the card is ed herman and um igor pagrejic so let's get the the 10 cent tour of this this card real quick jeff what what pops out to you i'm really excited to see todd duffy come back um he you know he he's hot and cold sometimes but when he's hot he can knock you out in about eight seconds yeah really excited Really excited to see him on the card. Uh, really excited for this Mark Hunt versus Alistair Overeem. Uh, both guys very, very high-level strikers. Uh, Mark Hunt, obviously, best known for his uh, walk-off KOs. Sure. Let's see. Uh, very excited to see Lando Venata on there as well. I remember his performance against, uh, I believe it was Tony Ferguson, uh, just showing his laid-back style, but he's his... Striking is so good and so technical sometimes. So obviously, I'm excited to see him fight again. I want to see, I want to see his guy make a real deep run into the division. I feel like once he gets a little bit more UFC experience under his belt, he's going to be a force. Yeah, definitely. He's coming off that big wheel kick knockout of John McDessie. So it, it'll be great to see him back in there. It's good to see him being active. And a good point about uh, Todd Duffy. Actually, seven second knockout against Tim Haig back in 2009. I think he still holds his record for uh, fastest UFC knockout, or or he's tied for the record. Um, but uh, he hasn't been in there in a while. His last fight was in July 2015. It was a loss to Frank Mir. So, um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be good to see back in there. Anything else you kind of want to get off your chest here? Any news or anything else coming up that you want to that you want to uh, address? Yeah, um, the more I look at this card for UFC uh, 209, uh, the, the more excited I'm getting about it. But we can save that for next week. And I feel like this card better make up for the atrocity and just <laughs> overall sadness that UFC 208 brought into my home. Yeah, and it's it's even more sad to see kind of the aftermath of that because uh, Cyborg has been cleared from her USADA suspension. Apparently, that they're allowing her to take whatever she got caught for because she had a prescription for it for some kind of condition. I don't know, some kind of loophole. And she got off the hook, and Jermaine Durandamay does not seem to want to fight Cyborg. She's, you know, she's saying, oh, I think I should give Holly a rematch, and uh, oh, I can't have a rematch with Holly. I need to have surgery on my hand and basically won't even address the fact that Cyborg exists, which is not good because she's the reason this division was created in the first place. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of disheartening. And that division is not off to a great start. But, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, so we'll see what happens with it. All right, anything, you got anything else, Jeff? I'm curious to see Bellator's, uh, because Bellator is also making a women's featherweight division. I'm curious to see how it's going to work out for them. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think there needs to be, 
uh, there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done with women's MMA. I've been saying for the longest time that the UFC needs a 125-pound division. I would have much preferred to see them add that before they added the featherweight division. But, you know, who am I? I'm just a guy who drinks a lot of whiskey and beer and, and talks to people on the Internet. But speaking of which, if you have anything to say, any commentary or any disagreements about anything we've said on this podcast, you can reach Jeff at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. He's always happy to get into a nice conversation or debate. And if you have anything to say to me, you can reach me at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com. If you're listening to the podcast anywhere else, you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or pretty much anywhere else podcasts are found. And if you're digging the show, please leave a review and leave a rating. And let us know what you're thinking and drinking. All right, that's all we got for this week, everybody. Happy President's Day. If you have the day off, I hope you enjoy it and you get to sleep in and catch up on your MMA on the Rocks podcast experience. And that's all we got. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.